Welcome to Orbital Times Podcast, and hello to everyone, whatever part of the globe you're from or happen to reside in. My name is Kelly Joe, and here we'll provide armchair conversations gathered from interviews and research reviews to explore the seen, the unseen, and the in-between of the supernatural paranormal phenomena, with topics that circle around spirit orbs, NDEs, OBEs, UFOs, time slips, mystical moments, higher consciousness, and more. I hope that this cast will be our meeting place and judge-free zone where we can explore, learn, and grow through the telling of. This cast will be launched on a monthly basis or a bi-weekly schedule whenever I'm able to make contact with those in the know for their telling of. Speaking of those in the know and the telling of, have you had mystical moments or other supernatural paranormal experiences? Care to share on this cast? Then consider stepping into the light with your telling of or send in your monologue for me to read on this podcast. Simply email orbicaltimespodcast at gmail.com for a chance to contribute to this cast. And don't be afraid of death. Death is beautiful. It's not, it's not connected to pain or fear as we think it is. It's a transition that we all will have to make at the end of the day. I, for one, am not afraid to die. <laughs> Go back to your home. Yes, do that orb. In this episode of Orbital Times, Willa Lowe from South Africa joins us for the telling of her 2007 near-death experience, which circles around her transformation into an orb while receiving medical intervention with the timely assistance of an unknown stranger that she identifies as a possible angel. Plus, her abilities to bring messages from spirit for their loved ones. Willa, thank you so much for setting aside some time for this chat and welcome to this cast. Thank you, Kelly Joe, for hosting me and it's such a wonderful time to have been chatting to you. So Willa, if you'd like to begin your telling of what happened that Tuesday in 2007, just prior to your NDE, continue from there. Ah, Kelly, perfect. Thank you and thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, so it was back in 2007 in March. On the Tuesday evening, it was my senior year of high school. And I was lying in bed and wondering what excuse I can use not to go to school the Wednesday to catch up on my study work. And around about the Wednesday morning, around about two, I started having abdominal pain. And the pain progressed and progressed. And I was like, you know what? This is not the type of idea I had in mind when I wanted to stay at home. You know, I wanted to study, not stay in bed, actually. And around about half past four in the morning, my parents back then was active cycles, cyclist. And I went through to them and told them, listen, yeah, I've got severe pain. Something isn't right. And my stepmom gave me two painkillers just to take she thought maybe it's just a stress or some type of gas that's stuck in between nothing too serious and an hour later I couldn't walk anymore and I crawled to my sister's room for her to take me to go to the loo and so eventually I had to go to the doctor and everyone was like just remember it's nothing serious nothing to be concerned of and as I went into the doctor's offices, they did immediately some urine tests, some CT scans, sonar, and couldn't find anything wrong except for my 
urine that showed a high infection. So the urine showed um, a high count of infection. And the doctor said, well, something isn't right, but I don't know what it is. So unfortunately, you have to go to hospital. So my one day at home studying ended up to being a few days or weeks into hospital. So as I was being submitted into hospital, um, they ordered more tests, more blood tests. And the blood tests came back also with severe infection although the doctors couldn't pinpoint what it is causing the infection as all the organs are functioning however they are a bit swollen as the infection progressed i started to swelling i started turning yellow and the following day thursday the doctors ordered more tests and they asked the specialist to come in to see me and the specialist only came the friday morning and as he came, he had two looks at me and he's like, um, you need to go onto the operation room now. No questions about it. Back then, load shedding was still a new concept. So I had to be transferred from one hospital to another. And as I came to the new hospital, the bed was already for me at reception and I jumped onto it. They literally rushed with me to another room. The sisters was trying to get me dressed. The doctor said, just get her onto the room. There's no time for this. And they rushed me into the operation room. And the doctor started putting me down under the sleeping mat. It was about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, I opened my eyes. And I was in this white, wonderful orb. Did your heart stop beating could you see a monitor yes my monitor was there however i'm not sure if i flatlined or not that wasn't brought to my attention it didn't caught my attention and um so as i was in this white light um i was going in and out between experiencing what's going on on the operating table, but I was more intrigued with this super orb plasma of energy and that complete calmness that I felt, the unconditional love. It's an, to be scared to death for an operation and you don't know what's wrong um, in your mind with all the different questions. And to be back into this don't care you know you're just overwhelmed with this unconditional love nothing um can be of concern to you You, basically you've lost interest in your human body if i can say that so i was basically going in between from this orb to viewing the operating table and i could see the doctor is like really stressing but the most intriguing part about the human experience if I can say it like that while I was there in the orb I could hear feelings and um, feel emotions I could understand what they're saying in their mind what they are thinking it's like an open canal you can't hide anything whatever the doctor was thinking and I could see this shouldn't be this shouldn't be and he's running through scenarios in his head and the sisters and everyone is picking up on their stress. And to feel a sound 
and to experience a emotion from someone else in your mind it is completely amazing the way the communication happens and I was in and out between this orb and all of a sudden a doctor entered the operating theater and the entire room went dead silence and everyone, every sister was looking at this doctor. Even their thoughts that were raising of stress and panic went completely dead. The machines went quiet. You couldn't hear anything. I think if they dropped a needle, you could have heard that. And this doctor told the surgeon, listen, yeah, you need to do this and this and this and leave that. Don't remove that she's going to need that her body will have to use that to recover in full and as he was giving him this medical procedures on what to do what not to do you could actually see how the doctor is playing that in his mind and he's like oh yes this can work okay that makes sense okay let me do it that and the doctor left and everyone in the operation room was like that 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 just happened, you know, that we just witnessed a random doctor coming in, giving advice and walking out. And so basically they all went back and I went back into the orb. By this time, I knew that my appendix had torn and that the fluid was poisoning my body for more than probably three days at that stage. So the fact that I recovered from it is a miracle on its own. And um, I was like, oh, so it was just my appendix, you know. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't have that in my mind. And I went back into the light and just with this complete awe of unconditional love of, you know, peace and not concerned about this body on the table, not bothered by this emergency situation below me. So eventually, about two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes properly um, after the procedure, they removed me from the table and put me onto the bed to roll me out to my room. Did you see that happening? Yes, I did. Okay. By that time, the orb basically disappeared and I was floating on top of my body. I was lying like someone on the beach with the arms crossed behind the head, enjoying this moment. And I can remember I was thinking, I can't wait to tell the doctor that it was my appendix, you know. I was so relieved to know what was actually wrong with me by that time that I didn't actually pay attention with the outcome of it. And as they pushed me into the room, it was a room of six beds. And they placed me in a isolation setup as anything could happen at any time due to my organs being in such a fragile state due to the infection. And as I put the bed down, basically, and put the brakes on, that moment, that joking moment, my spirit probably went into my body and I opened my eyes and I told the doctor it was my appendix. And hmm. he was like shocked and he's like, how did you know? Did you have another doctor on your case? I'm like, no, doctor. I was rushed into this hospital. Where must I have had the time to seek a second opinion? But I saw the doctor. And he's <laughs> like, funny. you did what? I was like, yes, the doctor that came in and told you what to do. And he's like, were you awake? And I'm like, no. And he's like, did you feel anything? And I'm like, no. And he rushed out 
probably doing his daily surgeries for the day. And around about 12-ish in the afternoon, he came back and asked me again, are you serious? You didn't have a second opinion. You didn't consult another doctor. I'm like, no, doctor. I was rushed from one hospital to your hospital. I, was even, I wasn't even dressed. Where should I have at the time to get a second opinion? Right. And he's like, okay, we're going to ask the security for footage because if anyone can enter an operating room, you know, it's very dangerous and very risky. Right. And I remember back then the sisters coming in and in. It's like, oh, you're the girl with the mystical doctor. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, tell me. So the doctor requested the CCTV footage of their operating room. And it showed as everyone was around me on the table, everyone was looking to the doors. So oh, wow. everyone noticed that there was a person entering the room, but that person wasn't caught on the video. <laughs> Did you see so, the video? No, unfortunately, I didn't want me to see it. Okay. okay. Due to security, but I'm sure it must be somewhere. Someone must have, have a recording of it. Absolutely. And, and all the sisters came to me whenever, and I'm like, oh, so you're the girl with the angel what did you experience and they kept it like a hush hush environment back then because in South Africa things like this are very frowned upon luckily it's more open now with a more movement of freedom but I'll, as my uncle was sitting next to me when I just came out of the theater he's like you don't talk about this to anyone they're gonna lock you up you know <laughs> And um, so, yeah, while I was there in the hospital for the two weeks after my procedure, uh, the sisters and doctors came and asked me about, you know, how did I know about this doctor? Did I see how he looked? You know, trying to fish him out. But unfortunately, he had his mask on, his scrubs. You couldn't see anything except for his eyes. Ironically enough, after my ND experience, since I lost, left the hospital, it was like placed in a box. And only in the last year, that spiritual box of mine was really opened and everything that I've experienced prior to my, my big NDE, which I can remember, made sense. What was the catalyst that opened up that box? I think it was a friend from America, believe it or not. He's like, Villa, you had an NDE. And I was like shocked, like, how do you know, you know? And he's like, it's time for you to tell your story. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe it's time. And as I put it out, um, talking more about it, the more my past also seemed to fit into place. Like, for example, um, I drowned twice when I was a little girl, probably one, two years, but I couldn't remember any experience of that. But I do remember having paranormal experiences. I always saw death in a white light. And growing up, death is a morbid thing. You associate death with black, like the Grim Reaper is black. And normally I will see someone and if they have this white light following them, I know within a week 
they will no longer be on this earth. And after I've experienced this white light, I've immediately associated its death and it's not to be afraid of. It's more to be embracing it. It's not as morbid as we as humans make it. Okay, well, let's let's explore that. But first, I just want to thank you for telling that fantastic story about your NDE. And we will circle back to the light and also the spirits that come to visit you, except now that we are able to communicate this way so far, cross our fingers, I have a few <laughs> questions about your NDE. So first of Please all, aid. the initial hospital that you were in, or the clinic, did it have x-ray equipment? Yes, it did. It was a fully functional hospital, but um, it's more like a day hospital. I want to talk to you about the orb that you were in or get clarity about that orb. So while you were in the operating room and you were unconscious, uh, you described that you went out of your body, you found yourself in a white orb or were you part of that orb or part of the white light? Could you clarify for that? Because you probably, you know, the sound quality here on my end was not that great. So it's the same like that um, the white orb was there. I was basically returning and becoming part of it. But oh. it was bigger than what I am. And that's why my assumption is I believe it must be God. Did I it have an, en an energy to it? The energy that I felt was like really calm, lovable, um, fast pace, um, but that's about it. You know, it was like anything was possible within that realm. Was there dimension to it? Like, could you guesstimate, if you will, how big you were as an orb? Uh, to what I grasp afterwards, after thinking about it, my body was basically the size of my body and the orb was that of an Olympian swimming pool. It was huge, but the size didn't affect me. It was, I'm part of this swimming pool. So you're and part of the white light. Yes, I returned to that. Do you recall looking for your body parts of your what I'll say is your your sort of higher conscious self uh, while you were in this light? Or did you just intrinsically know that you consisted only of the light or the consciousness? How can I say, when I was in this orb, I knew that I didn't have the need for any human to say like that. I was floating there, but I could see if it was with physical eyes. I'm not sure, but I could see as what I can see my hand in front of me. The only difference is where I knew I didn't have a body as such is if you look around, you can see your cheekbones, for example, or you can see your nose. I didn't have that. But if I wanted to stretch out my arm, an arm was created. It like instantly there if I needed it. So you could materialize appendages. Like that, yes. Wow. But there was no need for it. 
would you say that the light had an intelligence to it? Yes. I would say the light was the source of beginning and the end of everything. Did you recognize it when you were part of inside of this orb? I didn't recognize it as but I could identify you, but it felt home. It felt like I am where I need to be. It felt like I'm connected to this. It almost sounds like that you had also the ability to either sort of tune in or tune out as to what was happening in the operating room, but you preferred to focus, I'm guessing, on that white light. Can you speculate as to why sometimes you were focused over there and then focused on the white light? Do you have any ideas as to why that would have happened? I think the reason for that was to verify what was actually happening. I think if the medical team just witnessed it, it would have been just their story. You know, they would have written it off for a weird occurrence, a freak incident. But the fact that I, as a patient, could tell them what actually happened from a bird's point of view, that really confronted the reality of this entire situation. They needed to be present for to experience this. I know that you could hear sounds while you were in the orb. W- were there any aromas? No. It was only like a mental telepathy that I could hear, but everything was in your brain. It's like you take your ears and eyes away and everything is communicated via one thread. Um, but I didn't smell anything. I have no sense of smelling. Okay. Now, when you were in that theater, were you floating then above your body or were you somewhere else within the room? I was more to the left side on top of my body, probably about two, three meters floating on top of it. All this information leads me to ask you, where do you think consciousness resides i think consciousness is part of our spirit body in all honesty um since this experience um it makes me believe that the spirit is an energy that is tied to consciousness and um whenever you look Back to something it's always due to an influencer from an outside <laughs> this saying basically that your consciousness your memory everything that has to do with emotion is connected and that eventually will leave and go back that's interesting perspective do you think that your consciousness has expanded since your nde After my NDE, I'm going to say the spiritual awakening increased significantly for me. Um, I see things differently. I view things differently. For example, one thing for me that extremely changed after my NDE Mm -hmm. is I was a Christian prior to my NDE. And often my spiritual awakening... I would prefer to saying like I'm a child of God as Christianity is bound by religion. Right. And after what I've experienced, religion is man-made. 
incorporated in our daily lives to control the human masses in a way due to fear and so forth. And everything that I've experienced is nothing to do with that. So it made me wonder, but if I was taught this, then why did I experience this? Had you had those thoughts soon after your experience or has this manifested over the years? It manifested over the years. It was something, it's, it's like riding a bicycle. You can't just jump onto a bicycle and ride it. You need to learn. But let's say you get in an accident and you need to relearn to use a bicycle. That's the same that I would describe it to. It's like going to physio. It's like to rebuild the muscles, to relearn. You know, when you were a part of that, like, were you aware of time? Time as we know it. Yes and no. During, while the doctor was, was operating, the time was passing, I noticed that. But whenever I was in the orb, time did not exist. When you remember about being part of the light and then you're you being drawn over to what was happening to you on the table, did you feel like you literally came out of that light? Or were you still uh, engulfed in it, if you will? I'm probably going to use a weird example. No, go, go for it. But it's like that sucking kids' toys that you do get. When they squirt water mm-hmm. and they pull it back up, it was mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Like you would use when you're trying to get gravy out of the bottom of the turkey pan? Exactly like that, yes. Okay. That that white light, it didn't it did, did it wrap itself around you like a blanket or was it more like a a balloon, if you will? You mentioned that there was space from where you were or where your consciousness yes. was. Yeah. I would say it was like a human blood cell. It was moving. It was like plasma. Um, It wasn't bound to a balloon shape. Have you ever heard of the gateway experience? No, never. I'm not intimately familiar with it, so the listener will have to excuse me. I'm going to get some of this information wrong. But So this is from the Monroe, something called the Monroe Institute, um, and it's a technique for achieving altered states of consciousness. And this was called or given the name, the gateway experience. And this involved the brain hemisphere, the synchronization, I guess. And Mm -hmm. they, they called that AKA hemisync. So this was developed apparently for the army for remote viewing. There, there are currently, you can find them on the internet, focus tapes with meditation instructions which include this hemisync, which consists of different sound frequencies for each ear in order to change mm-hmm. the brain waves and ultimately change one's consciousness. Now, you're probably thinking, what, what is she telling me this for? Well, this is all <laughs> this to say is that within this meditation, there is a point where um, the listener is asked to imagine that they are in an orb and that this orb will surround them that'll protect them and it'll keep them safe. So I, wow. I, when I heard you say that, it reminded me of that because I did 
try to go along that path, but I found the instruction a little bit hard for me to keep up with. Maybe it was the 1950 talk that I just, there was something about the instruction and I'm not one for instruction anyways, when it comes to meditation overall, unless it's something like the body scan. So all that to say is, I just wanted to know if you had ever heard of that. And maybe you want to take a peek at, at that information anyways, sort of throwing that out there. Perfect. All right. I'll have a loop around it. Okay. Now, I'm so curious about this doctor who everybody in the operating room saw, but he, he was wearing a mask. The security cameras didn't pick him up. I'm wondering, what did his voice sound like to your ear? Like any other educated doctor, you know, taking charge, speaking with confidence. Um, I didn't see any how can I say, abnormalities when you are speaking. It was as if we were speaking now. And did he have an accent? No, he was very bound to my language, which is Afrikaans, yes. if I can say it like that. Yes. And um, nothing sounded abnormal. Did he introduce himself to the staff? No. He just went in to say, listen, you need to do this and this and this and this. And nobody said, hey, who are you? What do you think you're doing in here? Get out. <laughs> no, that was the quite interesting part because I think everyone was so stressed. At that time, I was 18 years old. Right. I was very young. And I think the age of the patient also infected the way the doctor was serious to save a patient, you know. Okay, good um, point. And yeah, it, yeah. everyone was like so focused to save this body, to save me as a patient. I think he just came in at the right moment where their minds were so occupied on how to save me that the questions only occurred afterwards, after they actually noticed of what the heck just happened. They were in shock. <laughs> yes. D did he say goodbye when he left? No, no. He just turned around the same way he entered, the same way he left. Did Did he look in your direction? When I say your no, direction, he, I mean you up in the light. No, he just looked directly into the doctor's arms, gave him instructions, and turned around and left. Did he seem familiar to you? No. So why do you think this happened to you? And you can, you can take that question however you want to, whether you mean, why did the doctor come in? Or why were you up in an orb? Or why did you, your appendix break? Any, any or all of the following? <laughs> because I remember while I was admitted to hospital, I clearly said in my mind, this is not the idea I had in mind to stay away from school. Okay. But I do believe everything happens for a reason. I know some people might debate this, so some of your listeners might find it intriguing or not. I believe we all were given a contract that we signed and agreed to when we came onto this earth. And probably this was part of my contract, but also to make things for me more understanding throughout my entire life looking back now because if you have a contract you sign for certain events that's going to happen in your life in the NDE um, 
environment and the people that I communicate to is people came here to experience. I'm sure you're familiar with it. We came here to experience something. Yes. But how can you experience something if you don't know what it is? So you need to learn it first to experience it. When you say that we're here to learn something and we need to experience it, are you talking about experience having to go into an operation and then having yet another experience that took you down a path of, if you want to call it spiritual enlightenment, or if you had a find that you had, and I put in air quotes, a download of information over the years. What, What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is uh, obviously someone had to be the guinea pig for that operation at that time in that (laughs) country, in that area, and I volunteered most likely for it. Okay. But that volunteering also affected my life. I believe that everyone that was present in that operating room needed to experience that particular happening. And with me doing that, I automatically completed a chapter of my contract. And that unlocked, let's say, skills because of what I've learned and that I can apply to my life and re-evaluate situations to say, oh, that's why that makes sense. You mentioned that you, spirit you, You were lying down at one point when you got out of the operating room and into, let's say, ICU. People don't know what that is, intensive care unit. So somewhere they took you somewhere else, but they wanted to keep a close watch on you. So while you were waiting, you saw your feet crossed in your hands. I think you said it was behind your body. Is that correct? Or behind your head? Behind my head, like lying on the beach, yes. My feet are crossed. I could see my toes bending up and down. I could actually saw my body, but it wasn't a physical body. It was like a clone, see-through body of mine. At what point did your spirit self transform from the orb of light to you becoming aware that you were still in a spirit body, but that you could see the parts. I'm going to say you almost seem like you were having a, then at that point, an out of body experience as opposed to an NDE. But that's, that's correct. Just me. Yes. <laughs> um, I agree with you on that part because how can I say that near death experience was over for that particular time? And I was pushed out of the immediate threat to say it like that so I think by then due to the fact that I was outside my body during the entire process my body needed to connect with the spirit Um, I know it's going to sound crazy mostly but there had to be like a jerking effect where I needed to go back and that only happened when they blocked the bed so before that, there was no opening channel for me to re-enter the body. Okay, isn't that interesting? Now, have you ever had before or after an out-of-body experience? Not as people describe it, no. Not um, mainly. I will sit and meditate, for example, right. and then I would the imagine 
part mm-hmm. of my brain would be so realistic, but it doesn't feel like I'm leaving my actual body. And the only way that I can compare it to is with this after the operation experience. Hmm. I still feel connected to my body. Where as when I was lying on top of my body before I went back, I wasn't connected. Okay. Now, you've also had other NDEs when you were a toddler. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Um, okay. Do you want to give a, a thumbnails sketch, if you will, of those experiences? Would that be okay? But unfortunately, I cannot remember um, any NDE experience. I just know that CPR was applied to me twice after each drowning. And ever since then, I had, let's say, a connection to the paranormal due to that, I'm assuming. Do you remember at what age you found out about your other NDEs? I was very young. Um, I can remember I was extremely scared of water growing up. And I'm assuming it was the connection because of that. So taking a bath. Back then when I was three or four, I was screaming. As adults probably explain to me of what happened, I think my physical and consciousness also reminded me of that. Do you know how long uh, your, if you will, passing lasted? No, unfortunately not. No, I can't remember that information, but I knew it was quite some time. All right. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to switch gears, I think, here a little bit. <laughs> Are you able to currently, or at one time, you're able to see a white orb, as you were mentioning earlier, behind individuals just prior to their passing? Or um, Do you want to expand on that? I know that you did mention something about that, but just if you wouldn't mind just going over that again. No, not at all. Okay. It's not an orb to say. It's more like a white cloud. It doesn't have a shape. Each and every one differs from human to animals. The saddest part about it is whenever I see it, I know that's the final. There's no intervention that can save anyone from it. So I normally don't see to people. I, I think you need to make your affairs in order you know Mm -hmm. something unexpected might happen I normally keep it to myself I only shared with close family relatives um, if I know that they won't be able to reach out to that person or the person family members I don't want to intervene if I can mention it like that did you have this ability since you were young or did this ability occur after your last NDE? Since I was five, um, I saw the white death, if I can call it that. Um, it happened with my uncle where I saw the white light. And I, back then, it was the first experience I had. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it mean. Since from a very young age, my parents knew that I could see a different parallel. And I saw that, you know, something is going to happen with Uncle Joe, for example. Everyone in the first 
experience when I said that, listen, something was going to happen to Uncle Joe. Everyone thought I was a bit losing it. Mm-hmm. And then surely a week later, he passed away. And everyone was like, okay, this is, you know, let's pay attention. And then my grandmother, about eight months later, um, I also saw a white shadow following her. And I'm like, oh, your granny's not going to live much longer. And my mom said, but how do you mean? I'm like, I saw the same white thing that I saw behind Uncle Joe. Hmm. And then, surely enough, a week later, she also passed away. And that happened to so many people that I've come across my entire life. It's still happening today, even animals, pets. Do you think it was their spirit guide or an angel? In all honesty, I don't know what it is. Everyone thinks that death is so grim and bad, but it's actually such a beautiful thing. And I think that one thing, in a sense, is a protection to soften the death process. Do you think that the white mist is related to the white light of the orb? Yes. Now, after your 2007 NDE, did you gain the ability to see spirits, these spirits that bring you messages or warnings? Did that happen after that last incident? Yes, it happens to anyone. So if I go to a store, wow, and this is actually quite funny, I will see um, the mist following them. Oh, my. That person, I saw the what, and he's like, okay, did you see it behind? I'm like, no, you're safe. (laughs) But like I said, I, I normally don't say it. So the other, do you call it a gift, ability? I see the person in a more relaxed environment and then I can see for example if it was a traumatic um, passing if they allow me to see it. The messages that you get from spirit are they only for people that you yourself know? Um, I tend to ignore it as far as I can but sometimes um, they they try to pull my attention that I do not have another option than to say what I need to say. Yeah, um, sometimes they do come with a bang. It's not as lovely as people make it. They don't romance it. Um, mm-hmm. It's normally very straightforward, and I give it as straightforward. Um, I don't want to sugarcoat it because I believe there's a reason why they give it to me like it is. Well, Willa, do you wish at this point to impart a takeaway message uh, for the listener? Sure. Um, my message would be live life. Everything is as it should be. And don't be afraid of death. Death is beautiful. It's not, it's not connected to pain or fear as we think it is. Um, But the moment when your time is there, embrace it. Don't be scared. It's a transition that we all will have to make at the end of the day. I, for one, am not afraid to die. (laughs) I can't wait to go back to that. Go back to your home. Yes, to that orb. Yeah, okay. Well, in closing, I just want to say thank you again, Willa, and thank you for the telling of 
your message that you told, I'm sure that it's going to resonate with a lot of their listeners. So thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Kelly Joe, for hosting me and talking to me and to all the listeners listening. You're quite welcome. Thanks thank very you. much. Take care. You're welcome. Okay. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I would like to keep this cast a commercial-free zone. In light of that, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channels. All my orb videos are available by using the handle at Spirit Orb Sightings or visit my new channel with the handle at Orbital Times Podcast. If you've already subscribed, many thanks. For blogs, episodes, show notes, bios, images, and video, please visit www.orbicaltimes.com. If you enjoyed an episode, then please give a like or a share on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcatcher you happen to use, if you've already done so. Much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time to visit these Orbical Times. Orbical Times podcast is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Kelly Joe, at Studio Spare Room.